welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. What a blessing to be here together to spend a few moments in God's Word and a special welcome to our Smart Start students who are with us. We are glad you're here. We want you here. Keep coming. It's good to have you here. Let's, uh, let's pause for one more brief prayer as we get started. Jesus, thank you for your Word and the, your Spirit and the blessing of you combining them and changing our lives. We just pray that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right now and speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. So about 10 years ago, uh, my wife and I decided to launch out in the process of trying to build a house. And so we started off with the excavation process and we were building on a hillside with a daylight basement down below. And so we, we got the excavation done and then we hired a guy that had this special device that was satellite directed, had downloaded our plans for our house onto this machine and then with great precision, he marked out exactly where the footprint of our footers were supposed to be for our new house. It was kind of a U-shape with lots of little uh, indications along the way, but mainly a U-shape with the openness to uh, the daylight basement side. So he came out, drew for the footings, and uh, they dug the footings, poured the footings, and then he came out a second time, and he put down a nail all along the footings, the footers, uh, to indicate exactly where the forms for the new concrete walls were supposed to be. So he put those nails all along with his little machine with great precision. This exactly is where this wall is supposed to go. Well, wouldn't you know it, after he did that, it rained and flooded and, and it just flooded mud all over our footers. So the construction workers came out with shovels and started scooping away all the mud and water and yuck. And one of them accidentally knocked out one of those nails. It was the one on the very end of the U, right out by the edge of where they were gonna frame across, just the very end of the wall there, gone. Well, uh, so I, I should add, I don't remember if I said it already, but my wife ch chose to take on the role of general contractor. I took on the role of general grunt services. So uh, anyway, she was out of town when this took place, and uh, so they came to me when it was time to put up the concrete uh, forms to, build, to pour the walls, and they said, uh, exactly now, do you know exactly where this last one is supposed to be? And I was like, um, no. <laughs> and so they got out their measuring tapes, and they had this long conversation that was primarily in Spanish, so I didn't understand most of it, and uh, they decided they knew where it went. So they proceeded with the pouring of the walls, and then our framer came. And he started trying to frame on top of those new concrete walls. And he came to me and said, your house is not square. I, I can't build a square house on top of this. And I was like, oh man. So fortunately, we weren't too badly off, just a couple inches. So what happened is uh, they, uh, he built the, the walls just a little bit inside from that wall so that the wall stuck out a little bit, which would be the perfect funnel for rain into our garage or into our basement every time it rained. Fortunately, there was an easy fix, just put some fl metal flashing over it and it's all good. However, uh, God has also given us some pins, if you wanna call them that, or nails, or, or directional guides on what church should be like. How should we do church? In between, 
senior pastors, in between lead pastors, for whatever reason, it seems like the perfect opportunity to talk about what's going well, what needs to change, what, what are, what's going on in our church. So I say, let's have the conversation, but let's start with the principles of God's word. And so let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. This is probably my favorite place in scripture that describes God's design for church. And I'd like to point out a couple of pins, if you wanna call them that. God has placed in his word and gives us opportunity to align our lives very carefully right up to those pins so that we can enjoy church as he intended and designed it to be. Let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. This is what it says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I would like to suggest that the first pen that God has put down for us is as the body of Christ, he wants us to be united. He wants us to be connected. In fact, this, this imagery of connection gets even stronger in verse 16. Look at, look at verse 16. Ephesians 4, verse 16. I'm reading from the Interna- New International Version. It says this. From him, the whole, in him speaking of Jesus Christ, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God wants us to be connected. That's his design for church, that we are connected. I mentioned last time I preached that my family had the uh, opportunity to go on a trip to Utah this summer, and I rented what I like to call a land yacht. These things just take those roads out west really well. In in Utah, the speed limit got all the way up to 80 miles an hour, which was amazing. And this thing just kind of floats along just just fine. Well, my favorite uh, outfit for driving long trips like this is uh, a t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. So I was in my uniform, my driving uniform, and as I was driving day by day, I started noticing something. My, My left big toe was tender. It was sore. It was hurting like it doesn't usually hurt. I'm like, what's going on? Day one, just a little sore on the edge. Day two, starting to swell, more soreness everywhere. Day three, this thing is hurting, what's going on? I'm getting worried. Day four, now day four was supposed to be one of the highlights of our vacation because it was at uh, Bryce Canyon and we had splurged and decided to get one of the lodges right there, just a few feet away from the canyon edge. And so this is where we're staying but it's midnight at this point. My toe is throbbing so bad I can't even sleep. What's going on? It's hurting. Now, for those of you that don't know my wife, she's a nurse, and I should have talked to her sooner, but I didn't. And so at midnight, I said, honey, I gotta go. I don't know. I might have to go to the emergency room tomorrow. My toe is hurting so bad. And my dear wife said, here, why don't you take some ibuprofen? Here, let's put some triple antibiotic ointment in a Band-Aid. And the next morning, it was so much better, and I was able to get some sleep. Here's the point. I can testify that there is a direct connection between my toe and the rest of my body. I could not sleep. There was nothing else going on in my mind except for my throbbing toe. There's a strong connection. And there's a connection between my mouth and my toe because as soon as I took that ibuprofen, 
let it take its course, I started feeling better. So here's my question for us to consider this morning. As members of the Collegedale Church, and welcome guests, you can translate this to your own home church. As members of the Collegedale Church, are you as connected to the Collegedale Church as your big toe is to the rest of your body? That is the imagery that God has given us in his word as to how he wants us to do church. This is the pen he has put down for us as to how he wants us to do church. But the big question is how? How in the world can I experience connection like that at the Collegedale Church? How does, how does this happen? Well, guess what? God's word tells us. It's full, this section of scripture is full of answering that question. For example, let's go back to what we just read. Uh, chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three. <clears throat> Here it goes. Be completely humble huh. and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Connection, as close as our toe is to the rest of our body, involves an attitude and specific actions. Make every effort. The rest of chapter five, uh, four and chapter five talk a lot about specific attitudes and specific actions that contribute to being one, contribute to connection. I'm gonna just highlight and mention a few. Uh, verse 15, chapter four, verse 15, it says, uh, in the Greek it says, truthing it in love. In the NIV it says, speaking the truth in love. As humans, we tend to be all about one or the other, right? All about truth, no matter how badly it hurts someone, or all about love because we don't wanna hurt their feelings. God calls us to hold those two things together truthing it in love. It builds bonds. It's a healthy way to live together, truthing it in love. Uh, verses 22 to 24 uses this expression. We're putting away the old way of sin and we are being made new. It's a brand new life. Uh, verse 25 of chapter four says we speak truthfully. It's amazing how in our current culture, it seems like as long as it's just a little lie, it's okay, right? As long as it's just a little dishonesty, it's okay. No, God's calling us to a higher standard. He says, we're honest. We speak truthfully. And when we do that, it helps relationships because trust grows. Bonds can grow. Verse 26 says, we avoid resentment. That involves forgiveness. It involves surrendering it to God. It involves acknowledging the hurt and letting it go. It maybe involves truthing it in love. We let resentment go. Verse 28 says, we work instead of steal. Verse 29 says, we speak words that build up. What if only, what if we were even to get it so that 80% of our words built up? 90%. God calls us for all of our words to be words that build up. That certainly helps create bonding. Uh, verse 30 says that we follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. When it's all said and done, we are talking about a community of faith, the body of Christ. According to scripture, that means then everyone has the Holy Spirit living in us. Therefore, we are listening to the Holy Spirit and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And God's will, God's design is for us to be one. 
for us to be connected, for us to be bonded. So we need to listen and follow. Verse 31 of chapter 4 says, we get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, and malice. Chapter, uh, verse 32 of chapter 4 says, we are kind, compassionate, forgiving. These are choices we make. Sometimes we don't feel like it. This is the way God's designed for us to live together as one. Chapter 5, verse 1 says we imitate God. Jesus would be a good example. We imitate God. Verse 2 in chapter 5 says we live love. Verse 3 says there's not even a hint of sexual immorality or of greed. Chapter 5, verse 21 says that we submit one to another. Now, I don't know how, about it, how it works for you, but for me, no matter how much self-willpower I try to live this way, I come up short. I just do. It's just, it's just the truth. I come up short. And so, God has a secret sauce in how this is all supposed to work. And that secret sauce is described in a prayer in chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. Here it is, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses uh, 16 and 17. This is God's secret sauce to making this to become a reality. It says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That is how this is accomplished. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. I would like to suggest no Christ dwelling in our hearts, no matter how hard we try, this is not possible. In fact, in Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, he said that when we live together in unity like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, that is a testimony so that others will believe that there is a God. Why? Because it's supernatural. This doesn't happen naturally. God works supernaturally as we live with surrendered hearts to him to bring us together in unity. So um, last school year, maybe two school years ago, I don't remember for sure, we had an incident in our house. Uh, it was a significant incident, and this is what it was. I don't know the details, but lima beans got burnt in the kitchen. And when I'm saying burnt, I mean really burnt. And if you haven't burnt lima beans in your kitchen before, I do not recommend it. It stinks something awful. And so we began the process of trying to get rid of that stink. First thing, open the windows and let the billowing smoke go out. Next thing, wipe down all the cabinets, all the countertops, open the drawers, everything, wipe it down. Stinks, bad still. Now what do we do, okay? Baking soda, put it out all over the place, in the cupboards, in there, everywhere, baking soda, baking soda. Stinks, bad still. Come in home at the end of the day, open the house, open the door. Ugh, it's the first thing that hits you, the stink of burnt lima beans. What are we going to do now? I don't know how we came up with this idea, but somewhere we came up with the idea of getting an ozone machine, ozone generator. They rent these at Action Rental right here in Chattanooga. We got this thing, brought it to our house, set it up on the kitchen uh, counter, plugged it up, turned it on, and left for a couple hours. When we came home, the stink was gone. It was almost spooky gone. I mean, it was like 
this is like almost something crazy supernatural going on here. It's just like weird. How does this thing do it? It just looks like a little fan. What is going on? So I had to uh, look up for you online to s- describe to you exactly what was going on. But here it is. Ozone generators apply an electrical charge to the air that passes through. This splits apart some normal oxygen atoms into unstable single atoms, which bond with other oxygen molecules, primarily the the stinky ones, to form ozone. Once ozone is produced, it reacts with pollutants, bacteria, virus, or mold, and breaks it down into less complex molecules through a process called oxidasy. Oxidation. I would like to suggest that when God says Jesus is dwelling in our hearts, he's not just spraying air freshener. He is transforming us from the, monecu- uh, from the atomic level. He is transforming our lives in a way that willpower can never do. It is supernatural, and I don't understand it. But it's true. As we surrender, he removes the stink and replaces it with his love. But it's a work of a lifetime. And that's why we have to be patient and humble and gentle with each other. But this is God's plan. This is the pen that God has clearly put down in his word. His plan is... Get a bunch of stinky people, and I mean selfish. That's, I mean, that's kind of the root of it all, right? Get a bunch of stinky people that are hurt. And you know the saying, hurt people hurt people. Yeah, that's, that's the plan, God says. Get stinky people that are hurt and get them all together, and that'll be my body. It's his, it's his plan. It's his plan. And when we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives, He does something miraculous. He does something beautiful for his honor and his glory and for the blessing of all of us involved. So I'd like to say the first very important pen that God has put down in his his word is that his plan for church is that we are just as connected to each other as our big toe is to the rest of our body. That's, That's his plan. But that's not it. He has another plan. And that is, uh, let's look back at chapter four, verse one again. And this is what he says, another pen that we wanna talk about. It says, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Just wanna point out something here. This letter is not addressed to pastors. It's just not. This letter's for everybody. So I've got to assume it's not just pastors that have a calling. In fact, I think back of the psalm that talks about God weaving us together in our mother's womb. And then to add a little context to this, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Chapter 2, verse 8 says, very familiar, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. And that is an extremely important part of the context of this conversation we're having because everything we're talking about is not to earn our salvation. That's a gift. That's the starting point of the journey. 
We receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and at that moment, we have eternal life because it's a gift from Him. There's nothing we have to do to earn it. Then what? Verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I just love this idea that when God's weaving us together in our mother's womb, he has specific good works in mind for us to do. That's what it says. And so to be walk worthy of our calling is to do those things, to do those good works. Is it possible that the pen number two that God has in mind for us is that it is his plan for us as church members to work, to live in the calling. We're connected and we're working. That's God's plan. He wants us connected and working, living out the calling that he has shaped us for. In fact, look at verses 11 and 12 of chapter four. 11 and 12, this is what it says. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. For what purpose? If you're reading from the NIV, I like it best there. If you're reading from Old King James, there's a comma in the way. By the way, commas were not inspired, just so you know that. Here it goes in the NIV. To prepare, what's the purpose of this leadership roles? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So leaders' roles in church is to help everybody work. That's the role, a primary role at least. Our our job is not just pastors, all the leaders in our church. Our job is to help you plug in and work. I love verse 16, I think we read it already, but it summarizes all this so beautifully. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God's plan for church is that we're connected and that everyone of all ages, of all ethnicities are working for God's glory, for his kingdom and for building up the body of Christ. If I were to ask you to describe a person who is an avid fan of a specific athletic team, just think in your mind for a second, what would be some descriptors you would use? What are are people like that are avid fans of an athletic team? So here's some some thoughts I came up with. Loyal, like crazy loyal. So I find it amusing personally because I'm not like off the charts a fan of athletic teams, just, just saying. So I find it kind of amusing when I hear fans talk, they talk like we and our and us, as if they were part of the team. It's just, I just think it's, it's funny. And it's because of that deep loyalty. And so that's, a, that's an amazing characteristic. What are some other characteristics? So fans tend to come to the game to be entertained. It's fun, that's why we do it. They, they come to be entertained. Another thing is that I observed is you come to be served. I mean, there's food options, there's other types of options that you come to enjoy. It, it's a fun distraction from this difficulty and pain in life. Fun time with friends. But there's one other observation I'd like to make about being a fan, and that is this. I don't ever recall seeing a fan out on the field playing the game. And I would just like to say that God's calling on our lives are to be disciples, not fans. Disciples are on the field. Disciples are into the middle of the action. 
Disciples are connected and working. So a couple years ago, I decided to uh, buy a kayak because we happen to have this amazing treasure near us, Hiawassee River. If you haven't met Hiawassee River, meet Hiawassee River. It's amazing. I love it. It's a great place to go just to get away and get refreshed. So this is uh, the kayak I bought, and uh, there's a couple of factors going on that just creates an interesting dynamic. Factor number one is this kayak was designed primarily for flat water, like lakes. Maybe water with a little bit of a stream was not designed for white water. My favorite part of the Hawassi River is the very upper part that has as much white water as possible, and I love aiming for the biggest part of it because it's fun. There's one other design factor that makes for an interesting ride, and that is I'm kind of on the upper end of the weight limit. So when I'm in this boat, it rides low. So let's put those two things together. I like going straight for the biggest part of the white water. It's designed for lakes, and I weigh it down. When I'm going through the whitewater, my boat fills with water. It's just, it just, it just does. It just, there's this propensity to fill with water. This last Sunday when I was going down, it filled with water four times. I had to stop and empty it four times. There's a drain plug on the end. You pull the drain plug, dump it all out, put the plug back in, get back in, and continue having fun. I would like to suggest that as Christians, there's a propensity, like a gravitational pull, to constantly be being pulled to take on the role of a fan rather than a disciple. And I would like to suggest that that propensity is even higher at the Collegeville Church than most places. Why? Because we have amazing stuff going on here. We have some of the most amazing music, Sabbath by Sabbath. It's incredible, the, the experts in the fields that come and do. We have some of the best preachers in Adventism coming past and through our pulpit. It's easy to come in and kind of get to the attitude of I come to receive. I come to critique. I come to evaluate. The gravitational pull of being a fan. I would like to suggest that we as church members, like last Sunday, would be really healthy to periodically stop and dump all the water out of our kayaks. Get rid of that gravitational pull to being a fan and get our lives aligned more closely with God's, the pen God has given us of every member working. It's God's plan. So I'd like to suggest that uh, we here at the College of Church have designed our Sabbath schools and our small groups particularly to help members accomplish God's plan of being connected and working. One of the things I really like about the smaller group setting is that members can minister to each other in real time as group life is happening. So there's no limit to how many people can minister. Everybody can use their giftedness to serve each other in real time in a smaller group setting. Right now, I'm the only one that's doing anything other than you're listening, but in a setting like this, I mean, we have the AV team, we have the musicians, but the percentages are very, very small of the people serving versus the people receiving. In a small group setting, it, it, it's different. People can pray for each other. You can listen to what's going on in each other's lives. There can be great power and opportunity of ministry. One of the things I love most about small groups is there's, there's no limit to how many we can have. There's limits to how many greeters we need. There's limits to how many deacons we need. There's limits to how many Sabbath school rooms we have. There are no limits to how many small groups we have. Therefore, 
there's room for everybody to be connected and to serve. There just is. That's what, what I love about small group ministry. So um, last school year, I think it was, Elvin Kruger, one of my friends, invited me over to his home where he was hosting a, a meal, a Sabbath lunch for his Sabbath school class. He and, he and Judy were, were hosting the meal for their Sabbath school class. And I went with my family and the food was amazing, but what I liked even more than the food was this. I could just tell they enjoyed being together. They just were enjoying time together. When the food was gone, everybody was done eating, they lingered and hung out in groups talking, I don't know, hour, two hours? They were, it's probably one of the best examples I've seen of what God's Word is talking about here. Connected and working. They're doing life together. That's God's plan. Oh, if our entire church membership experienced church that way. It's beautiful. So a couple weeks ago, I was at Cottage Springs Youth Camp, and uh, it was for pastor's meetings, and I was driving by, this is the Wake Park, if you've never been there, this is the Wake Park, and uh, I was driving by, and my daughter was practicing some of her skills out there, and the guy operating the, the machinery there invited me to give it a try. I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't really don't know how to wakeboard. Uh, I know how to slalom ski, and I used to barefoot water ski, but wakeboarding was never my thing. But sure, why not? Sounds fun. I'll give it a try. So I went and got a life jacket on, put the wakeboard on, set on the dock, and said, okay, let's go for it. Boom, and up, and I was going. All right, so I was going, but let me describe the going. So I had both my heels back, and I was being drugged through the water. I was on top of the water, but I was being drugged through the water, and just kind of pushing the water, and the water's all going out. And then I look, and these white things are jumps, if you don't know. Those are jumps. You're supposed to hit the jump and go up in the air and fly, and I don't know what else you're supposed to do, but I was afraid I was going to hit it because I, right, I was headed right for it. And so I, I very carefully moved part of the wakeboard around behind me, and then all of a sudden, almost instantly, things kind of smoothed out, and I could tell that I had control and direction, and I got around the white thing and then back to the hill-dragging thing. And I went to the end of it, and you're supposed to be able to lean really, really hard and get speed up and then redirect direction and come back without falling. Well, that didn't happen. So I fell, got back up, came back. Same thing. I was headed for another white thing. I was able to get the back, back a little bit so I could steer. And then I got to the end of the line, and I was done. I was tired. But I've got a question. Here's the question. Would we call what I did wakeboarding? Okay, I'll put you out of your discomfort. No, that's not wakeboarding. <laughs> that's not wakeboarding. Would we call it church when we're not connected and working? It's God's design. So the appeal is simple. The appeal is this. Prioritize. That's what it comes down to. Sure, we'd love to do everything, there's a thousand and one options every week of our lives, especially here in Collegedale. It takes intense prioritization to live this way because it takes time together with the same people over and over and over again to develop connections this deep. It takes priority. It's something I can't do for you. Our pastoral team can't do for you. Each individual person has to make a choice. Am I going to do whatever it takes to align my life to the directions God has given us in his word on how to do church? Or am I going to be a fan? So that's the appeal. Prioritize. Let's align our lives with how God has told us to live 
and to do church. Because as I talked about already, salvation is a gift. But what this does, living this way, it keeps us connected to that gift, Jesus Christ. When we're connected to each other, we can encourage each other, help each other, and keep each other connected, walking with Jesus day by day. It's his plan. I'd like to invite you to to stand as, as we have our closing prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you have given us everything we need to walk with you, live with you, and someday go home to be with you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak the details into our hearts right now and be very specific about the changes you're looking for in our lives so that we can walk with you in community and in faith as you've designed and desire for us to do. Bless our church, Lord. Pour out your spirit here. May make us the church you long for us to be. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. 